Hi, this is Carrie, and welcome to Tandem Talks, a podcast meant to empower you to live your life your way. And I'm Craig. Join us as we go deeper with entrepreneurs and their journey creating success in business and life. Welcome to Tandem Talks Podcast. We're super excited to have a couple out of the Milwaukee area, both entrepreneurs. And I've actually been tracking Jackie Hermes on LinkedIn for a number of years now, a huge fan of her content and have learned a lot from her thought process. But she started out as a marketer, then went full-blown in the entrepreneurial space. She's actually the founder of Accelity. I'm excited to dig into what she does and really her special sauce in that industry, but she's also a speaker and investor. She's a growth advisor and a neat fact about Jackie is she's also a co-founder of Women's Entrepreneurship Week in Milwaukee. So um, again, I've been following her. Then we realized um, Ryan, her husband is also an entrepreneur and we felt like what would be more fun than a couple interviewing another couple and just getting to the heart of their journey in the business space. So yeah, cool. And uh, Ryan Colton also has a really great background that I can very much relate to. Um, Ryan was actually as a CPA and actually worked for Baker Tilly, one of the biggest firms as a senior manager for over a decade, I believe, right? Uh, left there and was recruited by a former client, um, which is always a sign of someone who is skilled at their work, um, especially when you've had the client long-term, it's a high-end profession. So congrats on that. He worked as a CFO for that firm for a while, uh, then vice president of vice uh, finance and operations for a company and eventually made the plunge to go out on his own. Uh, and he is now founder, CEO, I think a uh, solopreneur probably of uh, RCMKE LLC, I believe if I got that right. Um, yeah. So really excited to have you guys on. Um, definitely coming from very different backgrounds. Carrie and I can relate, former commercial banker, uh, preschool teacher, uh, women's studies. So we've got um, a good spread between the four of us about everything covered. Diverse so, range, yeah. Diverse range. We're handled. If somebody needs to start a business, we're here for you. Um, but, uh, Carrie, do you want to kick it over to ask them our first question? Yeah. I mean, I think for both of you, like why entrepreneurship? What were the driving factors for you? You both had great career paths. So like, what was the, what was the pivot? What was the fuel behind the pivot for both of you? Yeah, for me. Okay. I'm just going to go first. Um, we've never actually done a podcast together. So we were like, how's this going to go? And who's going to talk first? And I don't know. Anyway, I like to talk. So I'll go first. Um, my journey really was kind of accidental. Like I didn't, uh, I, it's not like I was born thinking I was an entrepreneur. I think there are a lot of people that are like, you know, when I was a kid, I sold X, Y, Z. And I did a lot of that stuff too. Um, but I just didn't really see myself on that entrepreneurial path until I kind of fell into it, I guess. Um, I made a decision when the company that I was working at, they decided to split in half and they were basically selling off half the company and splitting all the teams in half. And I had worked with them to help build the company and make a bunch of acquisitions. And I was like, eh, I don't know if I really want to stick around for this part. Um, so I started freelancing and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. Like, you know, was I going to build a company? Was I going to work by myself? Was I going to take another job? Um, and it just kind of grew as I started getting clients um, I needed to hire employees to serve those clients. And now we're eight years later. Pretty crazy. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm excited to dig into the trajectory of that growth because I was watching some of your videos and it's, yeah, it's exciting. It's an adventure. It's uncertain. And it's been neat yeah. to see, see the, the trajectory. So Ryan, how about you? 
Yeah, for me too, I never grew up thinking I was going to be an entrepreneur. It was never in my career path or plan. Uh, honestly, I never really thought about it till the last probably year. And it all changed. I just, when I, probably last fall is when I really started considering it and thinking about what my next steps in my career were going to be. And through some of that introspection and talking it through and bouncing ideas off each other with Jackie and just came to realize that I really liked the fixing and building aspect of the roles that I was in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that, and the best way to utilize or to take part in what I really, the parts I really enjoyed in on a regular basis and those challenges was to go the solopreneur route and do it on a consulting basis with, uh, with companies in the area. So, um, it just, yeah, once being in those roles for a long term, it, you know, you kind of hit a point where it tends to hit a maintenance mode after a while and mm. uh, the challenge and kind of the excitement wasn't, you know, wasn't there as much, wasn't as strong anymore. Yeah, I can uh, completely relate. Um, and not that commercial banking is the same as accounting, but there's definitely a lot of overlays. Uh, and it is interesting that you get to do the job, you become skilled, but then you can also start to feel like, man, I can do so much more. We talk a lot about how your job doesn't really incorporate all the dynamics of who you are, right? But when you own your own business, you have so many more things to be in charge of. <laughs> Probably when you were a CPA, you weren't doing a ton of marketing plus advertising plus, you know, all the other things involved, right? Logo, like creating a logo or coming up with a company name, right? So it's cool to, uh, to venture out into that. Not a lot of CPAs do. If they do, it's very much like, I'm just going to have a CPA practice, right? But tell us just a little bit about what your firm does because you use the word fractional, which I don't exactly know what that means. I could guess what it means, but maybe just walk us through what that, that is not, don't go super technical because you'll bore everyone who isn't a finance or accounting <laughs> person. Um, but just kind of like, what was, what was your thinking and how are you maybe like a little bit different than the average CPA firm so you could like stand out like, from everyone else that's out there. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, on that term fractional, I really don't like it. <laughs> and But everyone I talk to, like that is the market term that everyone goes to that they understand. So it's kind of, I've accepted it, but I don't really care for it, to be honest. But sure. it's, um, what I've done, right. And as opposed to going the tr traditional CPA route, uh, I'm really drawing in the background from the CFO and the operational and finance perspective. And mm -hmm. so what I'm looking to do is partnering with companies and helping out their uh, business owners that maybe don't have a really strong finance team in-house. So think about it, they might have an entry-level bookkeeper, uh, someone that is taking care of the books, but not doing the forward-looking. Where's the company mm -hmm. going? what are we doing from a strategy development and how do we finance that strategy? Um, so looking to really work with directly with CEOs on those types of opportunities. That's uh, that's great. I'm currently uh, working on a project where I'm operating as a pseudo CFO, even though I shouldn't be. So uh, we should definitely talk. I will definitely be linking up after this for sure. So um, you made that plunge, right? So you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. How did you get yourself to do that as an accountant? Because I think as an analytic, we just can really, you know, assuming you are analytical, 
Uh, yeah. We can get really buried in the tediousness. And I think you even made a post today about just decision-making and not like overthinking, right? And I mean, I could spend 10 hours thinking about the simplest little thing just for fun, you know, or just like- <laughs> Which is so weird to me. Yeah, right? Uh, yeah. So like, how, how did you like get yourself through that barrier? Like what were the thoughts in your head? Obviously you surrounded yourself with an entrepreneur. You married one, which, which helps, you know, I've, I've done yeah. the same, but um, like what else could advice could you give for people who are thinking about it, but they're not sure? Right. Step one, marry an entrepreneur. (laughs) Let's say, let's say they don't have that option. Let's say they're already married. They're not into multiple wives. So that's, that's behind (laughs) us. Yeah. It's no, you're right. Because it's definitely, it's, it's probably not ingrained in me, right? It's not in my DNA to take that level of risk. However, um, I am, probably a little more, a little less risk adverse than traditional CPAs mm-hmm. and CFOs. Yeah. Um, so it is there a little bit, but it, it certainly helps to one, have the support of whoever your significant other is, entrepreneur or not. Um, but having that support and backdrop of someone that is, you know, hundred percent confident and supportive of what you do and the decision and the route that I chose to go. Um, Cause without that, it's a deal breaker. It's done, right? This isn't happening today. So, um, so that's probably, that is by far the most important factor. But then for me, it was you know, starting on the side a little bit and getting a couple of clients so that getting my feet wet a little bit to know, okay, I think, you know, there is some traction here having conversations with, okay, I believe now I believe there is a market that uh, niche for me here that I can carve out uh, and there's some need for in the market. So, uh, you know, spending a few months just networking, making those calls and kind of having those conversations on, you know, is this viable and how far can I go with it? And uh, really putting that legwork in to get comfortable that I can make this work. That's seriously something I tell people all the time. Like you don't need to have a company set up to go and sell it, to go and start having conversations, make sure there's a market. And then you can have so much confidence, right? Even he's like, what should I name my company? And I was like, who cares? It's you, right? (laughs) Like it's, it's, you're a solopreneur. You don't have to have a fancy name. We like threw up a website in like two hours and it was like, go have some conversations. You know, I see people that wait like two years to do that where I'm on the other side and I'm like, just do it. Like what's the worst case scenario? Clearly you'll be able to get another job. So, you know, like if it doesn't work out, we'll figure it out. So I'm all the way on the other side of like, eh, we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's, we talk a lot about that. I mean, that's the point of a side hustle is like, keep the day job, but like get a little bit going. And we talk to people, oh, I want to start a restaurant. It's like, well, try a food cart, try a, you know, <laughs> catering business, like, catering, like yeah. do a little bit before you drop 200 grand in a restaurant and you've never run one. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, super smart tip. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. And Jackie, I'd love to dig in a little bit deeper to like, let's say the first few years of growing Excelity. Um, I was watching one of your videos on your website really cool website, by the way, but you just talked about really that cycle or like that two steps forward, one step back. Like you gain a few clients, you lose a couple, you gain a few employees, you you lose a couple. Um, But I think that would really help our audience because sometimes entrepreneurship 
And by sometimes usually entrepreneurship is very glamorized and like, there's just so much grit involved in building a company. So anything that you could speak to that would maybe some fun stories too, would be great. It is not that glamorous. Like I'm not (laughs) going to lie. It it is in a lot of ways. Like I have a lot of flexibility, right? We get to travel a lot. There's a lot that we can do because we are running our own companies. But on the flip side, I mean, you have to move into a different job every single time you hire someone. Um, We have never taken out any funding or even taken out a loan to this point. And cash flow and all of that is very stressful. And for me, money stress is like the most stressful thing of all above. Like I can handle the biggest issues in every other part of my life. But when it comes to money stress, that is very like, you know, it it can be paralyzing for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I, I mean, I left my day job probably a little faster than I should have. I was also, I mean, eight years ago, I was like, yeah, I'm done with this. I have two clients, you know, I'm good to go. And I should have built it on the side for a little bit longer before I left my day job. And it would have been a little bit more stable. Um, And I mean, at the beginning, I don't think anyone knows what they're doing. I hired my first employee by having coffee with her and saying like, cool, you seem great. You know, like (laughs) you want this job? And she was like, sure. I don't think she knew what she was getting into either. I remember when we parted ways, she called me and I was like, it's not working. And she was like, it's not working. And yeah, and that was that, you know, like we both knew it. Um, and I had to bring people in to create structure in my company because I know that's not my strong suit. So, I mean, we had years where I thought we were going to grow a lot and we didn't. We've gone up and down in revenue. It's a lot steadier now because we've gotten to that certain place where we have, like, I have a leadership team that's running all of the different departments and it doesn't all depend on me trying to figure out how to sell, serve customers, market, you know, and do all of that. Cause you have to do it all at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's crazy. It's still, I still feel like that. Right. And I write on LinkedIn all the time. It's just, it's not as sexy as it looks like this isn't Instagram where we're all driving around at <laughs> Lambos and having <laughs> millions and millions of dollars. Like that's not, it is very, very, Like there are very few cases where that actually happens, you know? Well, I love your transparency and rawness. And I think it's those expectations that like, Hey, it's an adventure. And we talk about like, you add an, you add a venture and and that's what it really has entailed for us, but just being like open. Otherwise people's expectations can just be so mismatched when they're assessing, like, is a side hustle right for me? Is a front hustle the right play? Or for some people just staying a little more secure in corporate America is actually the right play. So it's good to have the full spectrum of experience to pull from. Yeah. Yeah. So when you now think about doing it over again, um, you know, let's say you've mentioned a couple of things that, you know, you maybe would have done or would recommend for people. What are some thoughts that come to your mind in terms of advice, right? So there's maybe not leaving your job too soon. There's piloting some clients on the side or huge, massive, extraordinarily big components or uh, proponents of that, but like what else comes to mind of either maybe some mistakes you made or some things that you guys might recommend for folks who are, who are getting going at this point? For me, I think just being more intentional, just like I was saying for you, like, oh, you know, like give it a shot and let's see what happens. Um, I think that in the building process, 
I should have been a little bit more intentional in figuring out, like, I know a lot of solopreneurs that love working alone. They consult, they make probably more money than I do. Right. Um, and I just was like, I think the natural step is to build a team. And I think I should be hiring full-time employees. And I didn't really, it was just kind of what was in my head to do. Right. Instead of saying like, do I know how to be a good leader? Am, am I going to be a good manager? Do I know how to be a manager? Because managing people is a completely different ballgame. <laughs> um, and it's something that I have luckily figured out as I've gone. But that's not to say there haven't been a lot of bumps, right? Um, I have a business coach that I've had for years. And frankly, if I could have afforded it from day one, I would have started working with her immediately because she makes me look at all of those things that I don't want to, or I'm not naturally good at. Um, so I think just that intentional decision-making is one area where I would improve, but what about you? <laughs> yeah, for me, uh, I mean, I'm only two, three months into this full time. So it, uh, there's not a whole lot of looking back to do, but one thing I would do just even through the corporate career though, um, is maintain the network better. Um, awesome. And, and yeah. really invest the time in your network because, you know, it was easy to get in my little, in my own bubble and went out while I was in those roles and um, you let some of that networking go and you just, you never know where your career is going to take you or where the next opportunity is going to come from. So, um, you know, now going back through this, you're know, going down this road and reaching back out to all these people that, you know, I lost touch with or, you know, didn't necessarily stay in contact regularly over the years and now kind of coming back to them. Like, Hey, remember me? <laughs> Great I to see you. Yeah, and I'm back. I hope you remember me. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Proud your return in 2011. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> such, such a flipping awesome point, Ryan, like so huge because I find myself now too. I mean, I was in front of so many people who were successful and multimillionaires or people who own hundred million or $200 million firms. And I like, I developed a rapport, but then I didn't maintain that relationship because you, you change roles or they move out or whatever, but like how nice it would be to have more of those contacts. Because even now I think like even as a resource or someone you can ask as a question or a networking, it doesn't have to be a client per se. So that's right. a super great tip that like everyone can deploy now who's currently hammering away in the corporate world, like build great friendships, mm -hmm. especially with other business owners. Cause like <laughs> to your point, like you never know when that might come in handy or even just the connection or the rapport. So fantastic. Cool. I'm I think really bad. At I, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I said, I'm really terrible at that. I literally have a, to, a task on my to-do list for every Saturday that says text three people that you're thinking about them. And it's like a long list of people that I can keep in touch with. Otherwise, I will never reach out to a person. I don't know. You know, like, it's just not something I think about all the time. Whereas I think a lot of people do it naturally. Sometimes you have to set up systems to. Yeah. And do it manually, right? Yeah. And I think there was, I remember this advice I was given from a Baker Tilly partner. So this was probably like 15 years ago. So it was earlier in my career and I, I should have listened to him because uh, <laughs> but I remember, I specifically remember him telling me that to surround yourself in your, in your friend group with like-minded people that are, you know, focused and driven 
so that as you grow up and mature into a, you know, whatever role I was going to be in that your friends would also be coming into influential roles and, you know, that your circle is kind of already your business circle and friendship circle potentially. And I remember at the time thinking, well, I I don't need to do that. (laughs) But that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Tons. Yeah, I mean, I, I was doing some fundraising for a firm and you need only qualified investors. So people who are a million and up that can invest. And I started thinking about like my friends group and it was like, oh boy. <laughs> it's like, it's like, because now I'm, I'm at an age where I think I'm pretty close to where you're at, Ryan, where it's like some of my friends are millionaires, the ones that like play their hands well and like did smart things or have good corporate, high-end corporate jobs. And then many are large struggling right and so it's interesting to just like look back and and not that we shouldn't be friends with everyone but there is a sense of intention especially in our 20s and 30s because yeah all of those friends will someday be running or cfos of a company and making decisions that can help help you or your team or whatever else you might be running so yeah Yeah, absolutely right yeah and jackie i want to double back to on something that you shared just i think As an entrepreneur, you have to have a certain level of healthy ego. I think ego gets talked about like in a very negative light, but I think there's like an element of ego that's fuel to the fire for a business owner. But then there's also this humbling balance of knowing that you can't do it all or that your communication skills suck or that you need better leadership or that you actually need to pull in more resources with like a more diverse team or a mentor or a coach like you talked about. So how do you find the balancing act in all of that? Because they're, they're all important, but it's like the ratio in which we're deploring those that I think is, is kind of make or break. I really, just like you said, you have to have a certain level of ego, I think, to be able to survive as an entrepreneur, honestly, because you get hit a lot, right? And you might fall down and then you might get kicked a few times while you're down. And that's just, you have to be able to pick yourself up. And I think ego is part of that, but also just strength and like mental strength and mental health, taking care of yourself, getting enough sleep. This is stuff I talk about all the time because I'm much better able to deal with the downs and everything that happens when I am like physically and mentally kind of ready for it, if you will. Um, I think usually when I find a place that I need help, I will look for resources. I'll ask other business owners how they deal with it. I'll ask my business coach. I might even ask my team, you know, like you, we do an NPS survey with the team where they report what's good and what's not so good for them. And often we're going back to them and saying, how would you suggest this get solved? You know, like we'd love to hear your ideas. Mm-hmm. I think you don't have to have all of the answers, but you do have to be willing to go and seek them. Um, and that can be hard and it can be very, very humbling, just like you yeah. said. Yeah. Well, and I think for so many decades, it was just more customary to have top down leadership. And I just don't think that's how, especially like the younger generation is operating in terms of who they follow. Right. So I love that. Yeah, I think, I mean, even some of like, if we hire people straight out of college at a company our size, they want to have a say in Mm -hmm. what's happening at the company. Um, So it's very, very different. And I find myself thinking like, well, it was not like this when I started out of college. And also I was working at a company like GE, which is huge, or Zywave, which had 400 some employees when I left. So it's a little harder there, Um, but it's a lot easier to be a servant leader, I think 
within a small company where you can ask for opinions and you can get buy-in from everyone. Um, that's not to say that all leaders do it, but I think they should. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's a testament. I mean, I've seen a lot of your team on social media and it's, mm-hmm. it's very evident that you've created that culture at your company. So hats off to that. Thank you. And one thing like we get like teams we lead and companies that that we have, people will say, well, here's an idea. Why don't we do this? And I'm like, great. You just volunteered yourself. Like, awesome. Take it away. Like, that's a brilliant idea. Like, go for it. And then all of a sudden, like, they're a little quick, little less quick on the draw in terms of like saying we should, why isn't this this way? It's like, well, go ahead and change it if you want. Right. Ownership. Yeah. Give them ownership. And, and I, I think that that's good too, because then people can realize, okay, there is work involved with just like changing something. It's not necessarily you just change everything right away, but I think empowering people and like making them feel part of the journey is like definitely the new form of leadership or servant leadership, which congrats, Jackie, sounds like you've, you've done, you've done really well at. Thank you. We talk a lot too, just about how like, we're all humans, right? Like there's no like the man or the big bad boss in this company. Like we are all just humans trying to do the best that we can and trying to please everyone, which is very difficult. So I think the more we can level with each other and humanize each other, especially through this pandemic, um, the easier it gets to communicate. And just when you have that foundation, you can give people the benefit of the doubt or you can assign positive intent to things that they do versus, you know, immediately assuming something negative. So, I mean, it's, it's easy, easier said than done. And it's a tough thing to work on, but I think it's very valuable within a company. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's critical to have that compassion for your fellow workers and who you're working with, because it is empowering and to have that compassion and realize that, Hey, we're all going to make mistakes at times. And we're going to need one another to pick each other up at times. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I think when you are in the top seat, like you're in the end, right? You're the owner, Jackie. So it's, it does come back to you. And so you have to have that balance of the good ego and the, and the like kind of being willingness to relinquish control when you do that. So let's say you've made a mistake. You've done something that really got botched, right? Not that, not that this has happened to you much, but at least in our lives, when we've, when we've made the mistakes and things are really botched, how, how have you atoned for that in a way that's helped continue to grow your team or even build trust? Because I think there's ways to make a mistake and then build trust. There's ways to make a mistake and absolutely breach it. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any tips for folks as they're going through that? Because if you're, if you're a solo entrepreneur or a new side hustler, or whatever, you're going to make so many mistakes. And so you have to be able to like embrace it, but then also communicate effectively about like why it might've happened or how you can still move forward with a client or a, a team member. Right. Yeah. I mean, this happens all the time with clients of ours. Um, you know, like there are, we have so many things moving between our teams. There are bound to be mistakes, miscommunications, whatever it may be. Um, I always tell the team, you have to fess up no matter what it is. You can't try to bury it or you can't try to fix it real quick. Um, I think if, if you can fess up and if you can work together to resolve it, the relationship often ends up even better than it was before, which I think is a scary process for people. But I have always found like if I have a miscommunication with someone on my team, um, you know, if we can get through it and end up, you know, it might not be comfortable, but we end up talking it out. We end up having a much stronger relationship afterward. 
Um, this is something I actually, I've been having conversations this week with my management team because I went on vacation last week or two weeks ago and they had one of our like leadership meetings without me. And each of them kind of separately came to me and said, it was very frustrating because we went around and around and it ended up being like, well, let's let, we need Jackie's input. So they weren't able to make any decisions while I was gone. And at first I was like, ha, well, that kind of makes sense. And then I was like, wait. I think this is actually a problem, right? Because I have done them a disservice and I haven't empowered them to feel that they can make decisions without me. Um, and I think it's just a lack of structure of like, here are all the things that you can do without my input. And here are the situations in which I want or need input. And this list over here shouldn't be that long, right? If you have competent leaders and a competent team, which I do. So it's been, I mean, just saying, you know, I didn't even realize that I set you up for failure in this way. And these are the things I'm planning to do to fix it. And I'd like your help. Um, again, it's been a humbling week for sure. I was telling him yesterday, like, oh, I'm emotionally exhausted right now. Cause I feel like I'm like, you know, like admitting all of my mistakes and it's, it's not fun. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, it sounds like your vacation was fruitful in a number of ways. Shed some light. Yeah. <laughs> where, did you, where did you guys go on vacation? Boston. Uh, we went to Boston or Boston? Boston, Boston, Texas. We went to the Miraval Spa. Oh, cool. Oh my gosh. I've heard such good things about that place. You suggest, you recommend it? It's amazing. Yes. It's like device free. You can only use your devices in certain areas. It's the, I have to be forced to like get off my phone and right. stuff. And it makes it, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure you feel that too. It makes you really reevaluate like your priorities or how much you're reaching for your phone to check for notifications. And then you're like, oh, it's not here. And maybe I'm a little addicted to my technology. Yeah. <laughs> well, good, good for you guys though. That's, that's super cool. It definitely expands our vision. I've been, I've had plans for us to go there. I just oh, okay. haven't told you yet. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> now I know. I'm surprised you haven't booked the, booked the flights. Uh, so we don't get too many couples on. So we'd like to just talk about that a touch. I mean, we, we talk about this and I mention this in every podcast, but like our whole goal of entrepreneurship is to use it as a tool to create a great life, right? Not to be the end all be all. And I think sometimes it's super easy to get caught up in the trap. I mean, I, I can be guilty of this. I'm just like building your businesses and, and you just lose focus on everything else that is a lot of times more important, if not as important. So um, can you give anyone some tips on if they are in a relationship where they're an entrepreneur and maybe their spouses as well? Like, how do you work together? How do you survive? Like what, what comes to mind? Survival Any tips. Survival tips to keep the relationship uh, thriving, not just like alive, right? And I know you guys are a little new to the game, but that's maybe uh, you're not new to the entrepreneurship, at least not Jackie. So I think that there is, you'll have an interesting perspective here. So fire away, whatever, whatever comes to mind will be great. Yeah, uh, I think you know, scheduling date nights together. Um, and I mean, this was not my idea. This was Jackie. So she gets all the credit for this one. Wow. But, but, uh, he he but, does it all. It was just my idea. It. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, so, but so carving out that time. So we carve out weekly, at least one night a week um, during the week. And, uh, and we rotate between in and out and kind of what we're doing. So, date night in might be as simple as, you know, dinner with 
hopefully some kid free time and uh, dinner. And, you know, we've played board games and just done silly stuff or sit and talk for last week. You know, we sat and talked for three hours. Like we looked up and it was suddenly 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where'd the night go? But uh, um, so I think that's really important to have that focused one-on-one time and make sure you make that time for one another. Yeah. I mean, especially we have three kids, right? And we're both running businesses. So it can be very easy to just get caught up in the day to day and suddenly a week is gone. And you're like, seriously, some days I'm like, did we even, did I see you today? Where were you? (laughs) Oh, hi stranger. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes he's gone at meetings and I think he's in the house and I'm like, Ryan and he's not home. Like, I mean, sometimes you're just passing. And I think it's, important to realize when you need that time. We both use the high performance planner journals. It's right here. I'm looking at it from high performance planning or high performance habits, um, the book. And it talks about like, who's someone that you need to connect with today and how are you going to do it? Um, and there are, there's, it just makes you be intentional about what you're going to do that day, how you're going to spend your time, who you're going to connect with. That's been super helpful to me because then I could notice patterns where it's like, Oh, we, what was it Tuesday night when we were like, we are spending one-on-one time together. And then we realized that handmaid's tale came out a day early (laughs) and then we watched all three episodes. So we were like, okay, we need to move our one-on-one time, but like we're really cognizant of it and making sure it's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love hearing it because it can be easy to just, yeah, keep, keep grinding parallel lives and, um, very important to intersect and create that, that space. So um, I want to find out where the best place people can access you and find you. And Jackie, I know you just created a great marketing course for cash strapped startups. So I think that's a really fantastic way for people to leverage your expertise. We'll put that in the show notes, but um, where else can people find you? I'm on LinkedIn. I, I mean, you know, I spend a lot of time there, so that's probably the best place to reach me. What about you? Yeah, LinkedIn. I'm spending, it was not part of my day, my daily habits uh, until these last couple of months. So that was something that really had to step outside my comfort zone and get comfortable sharing things on LinkedIn. But that is probably the best place to find me. Yeah, I've been loving your content. It's great to see you showing up in my feed, Ryan. Yeah, we need we, we need more content from, uh, I think, qualified CPAs and other technical folks, because I think that there's a lot of people that post, but they tend to lean towards marketing or uh, sales or advertising or coaching. And so it's nice to have people on there with, you know, confirmed technical skills and actually be giving real technical advice that I know is a CPA approved. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you probably want to look back at some of my posts and flag me if I mess anything up. But um, <laughs> but uh, we really appreciate having you guys on today. I mean, one of our themes, why we wrote a book, why we have the podcast is to bring people closer to what matters most in their lives. And I think, you know, so many people are an ambivert of entrepreneurship. We call it right. Like the moderate, they're not like a hardcore, like Jackie, you're leaning a little more that way. Although maybe not since birth, right. But like you lean a little more that way. <laughs> And Ryan, you probably lean more towards like the employee, but I want to build something. I want to do something for myself. And like, I think people can figure out how to do both. It can really um, create a lot of uh, fulfillment in their life as it has for us. And so thanks for joining us and, and thanks for being on. 
Carrie, anything you want to wrap up with? Yeah. I mean, for the audience, I would just take notes. There's a lot of really good content in the conversation today. So take notes and go apply, implement, and I hope everybody enjoys the grind. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review and be sure to visit tandemconsulting.co backslash talks.